0: It's my pleasure to introduce and to ask uh, Steve McElroy to come up and and share with us this morning from God's Word. Steve is one of the missionaries that uh, we here at VCBC support and uh, it's been a while since we've heard from Steve and we're glad to have him here. And as uh, this is the last Sunday in November, Steve is also wrapping up our missions month, which has been November. And so if you think back of the speakers we've had, all been missions focused. And so it's been uh, great to have that focus over these last few weeks. And as we move into next week, we'll see we, we turn to Advent. But uh, let me invite Steve to, to come up. Steve, will I guess, will update us too on uh, what's been happening in his life. He's got some changes. Changes in his ministry that uh, have come along, and uh, so I hope you'll be able to uh, share a little bit about that as well. Great. So let me just pray for Steve as he uh, as he speaks to us. Father, we thank you for Steve and his family, and for their willingness to uh, to serve you in whatever capacity you might call them to, in whatever place uh, you might uh, take them to. And Lord, uh, we pray for them as they make this transition. Lord, that uh, you would guide them, you'd support them, you'd undergird them, you'd keep them strong through this, uh, uh, through this change that's, uh, that's come in life and ministry. And Lord, uh, I pray that you would uh, uh, give him confidence and boldness to speak your word plainly and clearly to us today and may we have hearts that are open to receive it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: It's my pleasure to be with you here again today and I was just thinking it's actually been almost five years since I was here with you in BCBC, but uh, it's a pleasure now to be back in Canada, to be back in Vancouver and to be here today with you. And I guess just very briefly I will reply to Gilbert mentioned the change that's in our lives. We have moved back permanently to Canada. We'll be assuming a role with OMF here in the Lower Mainland and uh, looking forward to being part of this community. Let's just pray. Father, we, we thank you for this morning and we thank you for the opportunity to gather in your name, to hear your word, to worship you and to celebrate. We pray now that you would give us attentive ears and hearts willing to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. One day some 20 years ago, I was sitting alone at my desk in East Jakarta, praying. That was about a year before Ellie and I married. And as I prayed and reflected, the Lord showed me something new about prayer. It's something very simple. Perhaps it should have been obvious to me before that time. However that may be, it's changed the way I pray ever since. And I want to share that insight with you today. But I'm going to wait a few minutes before I do. Some 20 centuries ago, the Lord showed his disciples how they should pray. And in doing so, he changed the way his followers have prayed ever since, and every century since. Jesus gave his disciples and us the words that we call the Lord's Prayer. I'm just going to read them for you now. Of course, they're very familiar to us. This then, said Jesus, is how you should pray. Mission from Vancouver and beyond. Now, what better place to explore than the text that gave us those words? In fact, there's a side story to my selection of this text. Several weeks ago, I was in a small group that was exploring the theme of mission and discipleship. The person bringing the devotional invited us to read the Lord's Prayer. We had some fascinating discussion around the table, and at one point I said, this would make a wonderful text for a sermon on mission. Now, that was a week, it was only a week afterwards that I learned of the theme for today. So, there's my text. There's our text. We've repeated the Lord's Prayer so many times, many of us since we were children, that we could probably recite it in our sleep. But we almost always say it quickly, one phrase after another, without stopping to reflect the meaning of each phrase. And I want to commend to you the practice of praying through the Lord's Prayer much more slowly so that you can engage in that kind of reflection. Today we're going to very particularly ask just what it means when we pray, Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this is a good day for that because it's also the Sunday of Christ the King. For me... The difficult part of praying your kingdom come was always the as it is in heaven part. Everything's perfect in heaven. So how could we ever realistically expect this prayer to come true in this broken, hurting, and very imperfect world? Or are we just praying for the brokenness to end? For Jesus to bring heaven on earth when he comes in the new age? What it means to pray your kingdom come becomes clearer if we consider Jesus' teaching on the kingdom of God. His favorite theme. Jesus taught about the kingdom by saying what it was like using examples from everyday life. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. The kingdom of God is like yeast mixed into a large amount of flour. The kingdom of heaven, another word for the kingdom of God, is is like a merchant looking for pearls. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. The kingdom is like a landowner who went out to hire workers. Now one obvious reason that Jesus used these simple everyday examples is to make his message understandable to his listeners. Cross-cultural workers spent a lot of time and effort trying to figure out how to communicate the gospel in their local culture. Jesus is the master of this. His stories rang true to the farmers and merchants and mothers of his day. But they still make sense to us now. But I'm convinced that Jesus used earthy people and places to teach about the kingdom because the kingdom actually does come to ordinary people. And it does come in ordinary places. The ordinary places of everyday life. One of our ministry teams has a sports ministry near a university in a large city. There they came to know a young man named Marcus. Through the sports ministry, three of Marcus's friends decided to follow Jesus. And Marcus was there all three times when they made that decision. Each time, the invitation was also extended to him, but he always declined. The team thought that he hadn't taken these events seriously. But when they shared the gospel with him again, he told them that he could remember the exact location, the exact time that each of his friends had accepted Christ. But still, for the fourth time, he didn't choose to follow Jesus. The team was disappointed, but they trusted that the Holy Spirit was still working in him. Now, one day, Marcus visited the team member and excitedly told him that Jesus had answered his prayer. The he was surprised and told him that those who follow his will will always see their prayers answered. This was so significant to him that he started to pray in Jesus' name from that time forward. Well, there's more to the story, but I can tell you that now Marcus is following Jesus. And when Jesus answers the prayers of a young Muslim man in the city, the kingdom is coming to that man. When a business owner in Sumatra hears the gospel and decides not to cheat his customers as he's done before and then sees God bless him, that's God's will being done on earth. When a village woman who hates her stepfather learns to forgive him because she's experienced Christ's forgiveness, that's the kingdom coming. That's God's will being done even as it is in heaven. These are stories of real people that we and our colleagues have worked with in Southeast Asia. And when God is shaping us, helping us to grow in love and grace and humility, even against our own worst instincts, that's God's kingdom coming. That's God's will being done in our lives. Now, what's this got to do with the Lord's Prayer? And what's the Lord's Prayer got to do with mission? And what's all of that got to do with what I learned about prayer? Sometimes we wonder, if God knows everything that we need in advance, why do we need to pray for it? But that misunderstands the purpose of prayer. It's natural for us to think that the purpose of prayer is to ask the Lord to do what we want. But its larger purpose is to move us to do what the Lord wants to understand the character and purposes of God and allow Him to shape our character and purposes according to His. The Lord's Prayer calls for us to put first things first. Before we start with our needs, give us our daily bread, we're to draw close to God and remember who He is, our Father in Heaven, and give Him glory. Hallowed be Your name. And we're to seek first His kingdom. Your kingdom come. Now that's really the goal of mission, isn't it? If so, by praying the Lord's Prayer, we're not only putting first things first, we're also putting last things first. We're praying for that final goal of God's kingdom coming among us, of His will being done on earth as it is in heaven. That means when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we're praying a missional prayer. Time now for me to share my experience about my prayer at that desk in East Jakarta those 20 years ago. What I realized is, at that time is that prayer should lead us into action. As I said before, perhaps that should have been obvious to me. Often it is obvious. We pray, give us this day our daily bread. What do we have to do? Well, we still have to work for a living, don't we? We still have to knead the dough, so to speak, and roll it and put it in the oven. Forgive us our sins. What do we have to do? Jesus makes it clear that in order to be forgiven, we have to forgive others, as we forgive those who sin against us. Sometimes, yes, the only thing we can do is pray. Several years ago, one of our teammates in Jakarta had difficulty breathing, and had to be rushed to Singapore in an air ambulance. That night at 11 o'clock, I got a call to say that she had a pulmonary embolism and the doctors would operate within an hour. I need to tell you, the voice on the other end of the line said, that this operation is life-threatening. All we could do was pray. The rest was in the hands of God and the doctors. Praise the Lord, our friend, is was healed, the operation was successful, and she's back serving in Southeast Asia. But even though it may not be obvious that a specific prayer should lead to action, that doesn't mean that it shouldn't. Perhaps another friend has been diagnosed with a serious illness. Of course, we'll pray for healing again. But could it be that God also wants to reach out and touch or share a word with that person? It's this kind of question the Lord was putting to me in East Jakarta. And as he did, I found myself praying with a a pen and a notebook in hand. I would pray for insight about uh, looking for ideas or insight into a particular problem. And before I finished praying, the ideas would start coming. So I wrote them down. I would pray about a ministry or a person. And I'd see that I also needed to do something about a certain situation. I wrote it down. Another prayer about that time was about a certain special friend who happens to be sitting with us here today. That prayer was very important because the Lord confirmed she was the one that I wanted to be with these 20 years later. But the prayer itself wasn't enough. If I wanted her to be here today, I would have to hear her say, I do, back then. And in order for that to happen, I had to say, will you? I'm sure we agree that the purpose of prayer is not asking the Lord to do what we want. It's to come into relationship with Him. It's to seek His will for important decisions. But it's also to move us to do what the Lord wants. So what does the Lord want us to do when we pray, Your Kingdom Come? I think this is a wonderful question to ask because it's relevant no matter where we are in our journey of faith. When we understand that God is working in ordinary people and in ordinary places, we begin to see how ordinary people like you and me can be part of it. If we listen carefully to Jesus' stories about landholders, wedding guests, builders, pearl merchants and lost sons, we're going to find those stories playing out among the people in our own communities. What happens then if we pray, your kingdom come? We may find God prompting us to reach out to our neighbors with the touch of God's love or with a word of forgiveness and hope. And with this, we're on a missional journey of the coming of the kingdom. God is moving our hearts to be personally involved in his kingdom work. But if we're attentive, we'll realize that your kingdom come is not an I prayer, but a we prayer. Our Father, give us this day our daily bread. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. God is calling not only you, not only me, but all of us, the church, to join together in praying your kingdom come and to do what He wants us to do as a result of our praying it. That's why I often feel a dilemma when I'm asked to speak about missions in a church. Usually the stated purpose is to encourage the congregation to be involved in quote-unquote mission. And that's a great goal. It's a 100% worthy goal. But let's say you hear the message and you are motivated. God is moving your heart. Next question, what do I do? God is calling you to serve beyond your neighbor to your neighborhood. What are the needs in the community? How can I serve those needs? What special contribution can I make? How can I be a witness to Christ then? Or you've begun to understand the Lord's heart for millions of people in other parts of the world who have never heard the good news of Jesus. What can I do about it? Where do I start? What we can see from all of these questions is that we can't do the work of missions alone. We need to learn and explore and to try things together. The we and our of the Lord's Prayer is the church. And by the church, I mean local communities like Vancouver Chinese Baptist, but also the whole body of Christ worldwide. And that is a very large we. The challenge for the church is not only to call its people individually to be involved in mission, but to provide support and training and a channel for them to live out their calling when they respond. And that particular challenge falls to the leaders of our churches. The good news is, is that we have that very large we of the whole body of Christ. That means that we can work together not only within the church, but between churches and with other organizations that have experience with local and global missions. BCBC BC has been doing that, and I celebrate the partnership that we and OMF have had with your church through so many years. Now it's especially encouraging to see you preparing to sell, send Melanie to the Philippines. None of us has all of the answers or all of the pieces of the puzzle. We need to keep learning about local mission. We need to keep learning about global mission. Organizations like mine, who are already experienced in taking the gospel cross-culturally, we're still learning. We're continually trying to understand more about the people we serve, about their culture, and about how to be more effective in ministry. So we all need to keep praying, Your kingdom come together, and ask the Lord what He would have us to do. Via the BCBC website, I listened to the sermon from last week's English service, Lessons Learned from Twelve Spies. What a great message. David Gotts invited you, when you hear God's voice, to trust the Lord in taking a simple step forward in serving Him. Now today, to complement that, I'd like to conclude by suggesting what kinds of steps you could take particularly if God has you thinking about cross-cultural mission. Local mission, global mission are both valid and necessary, but I'll share from the global perspective because that's what I know best and because the need is still so great. In OMF, we talk about six ways to reach God's world. Actually, the number of ways is unlimited, but these six are like headings for a whole range of practical steps that we can take, starting from where we are right now. First, we can simply learn more about mission. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. Proverbs 1, verse 5. Read a book, a missionary biography, or an introduction to world missions. Take a course such as Kairos or Perspectives. Browse the web to learn about other countries and people groups. Go to Missions Fest. Attend a seminar. Go to the booth. Ask lots of questions. Bring home a brochure or three. Bring home a prayer guide. Number two, pray. Your kingdom come. You can make a difference in Indonesia, in China, in Turkey, anywhere in the world, by praying right here. Pray for the missionaries supported by BCBC. Ask for their prayer letter. Subscribe to prayer material from a mission organization. I brought some samples with me today and if you'd like to see them, just say hello. Pray as you hear the news for Christians being persecuted by their faith. Join or start a missions prayer group. And of course, you can go number three is the big one where you leave Canada to take the gospel to another culture but you before you make a major decision you can look and see first try a short-term trip we have a team going from BC to Taiwan to teach in a summer camp for children just think how much bubble tea you could have if you came along there's many many other short-term opportunities or a vision trip where you travel a bit more and see a country and the work of different teams in different locations. You can go for a longer time as a student, a professional, or even as a business owner. There are many, many opportunities, and it's easier to get started than you might think. If you don't go, you can send others to go. That's number four. BCBC is doing a lot in sending. If you personally are not yet involved, you can support a missionary financially. You can write them, stay in touch, encourage them. You can store their belongings when they leave or help with practical matters when they return home. At various times, people have blessed my family by finding us a place to live, providing a car, hosting us when we were traveling, and in many other ways. Number five, mobilize. Mobilize. How can anyone preach unless they are sent? Romans 10.15 A special way of sending is educating people and lighting the fire of missions here at home so that others are encouraged to go with the gospel. You can organize missions, events, courses at your church. You can share videos and literature with your friends in small groups. You can teach children of God's love for the world in Sunday school or in other gatherings. You can invite your friends to mission events. Or you can volunteer with a mission organization. We're always looking for people who are passionate about missions and want to be involved. Especially young people. Lastly, number six, welcome. The world is beating its way to our door, especially here in Vancouver. We can welcome newcomers, befriend them, show them our city. We can make friends with international students. We can teach them English and help them adapt. We can invite them to a small group and introduce them to the wonderful scriptures. So when we understand that there are many ways to serve, suddenly mission becomes more accessible. And if God's been tugging at your heart, these are some very practical ways you can start. And if you're interested, I have a little brochure that talks about these six ways and some of the things we've been talking about today. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's an awesome prayer, isn't it? It's a missional prayer, it covers everything God wants to do in this world, it's an effective prayer. Because when we pray it with complete conviction, filling it in with all of the detail of the people and places we long to see His kingdom coming, God's going to answer. We can be certain of that because He's the one who told us to pray it. And it's a dangerous prayer. It's a dangerous prayer because prayer should lead to action And the Lord wants to take us along for the ride.
0: Are you ready? Let's pray.
1: Lord and Father, we thank You for Your amazing Kingdom. You came, Lord Jesus, to announce the coming of the Kingdom. You said that the Kingdom had indeed come among us with Your coming. And You invite us to pray that it may come more completely more fully in us, around us, in the world, and throughout all the earth. Lord, this is almost too big of a thing to imagine. We can't grasp it all, but Lord, we can grasp our part. So we pray, Lord, this day your kingdom come, and we ask that you show us how we can be involved. How we can be part of this amazing work. Lord, we commit ourselves to You. In Jesus' name.